Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Talk, part of the Torn by Sports and Blog Talk Radio Networks. Welcome to this edition of the Utah Podcast. As always, I'm Grant Bagby, and joining me is my co-host, Kara. Hello, this is Kara McManaman, and I'm excited to be here with you again today. Yeah, another episode. We kicked Jeff off for the week. He, he had other obligations, so we decided to just tell him to take the week off. But uh, nonetheless, quick reminder to all of you who are adamant listeners to the show look we're trying to do our best get us our feedback we've been working on improving the audio quality i think we've achieved that as well if you can give us some five-star reviews that'd be great um if you give us a five-star review i will read it on next week's episode so go do it uh if you can't give us a five-star review on itunes reach out to me you talk at gmail.com or straight up on twitter at grant tbs um but we, we really appreciate that, but let's just get straight into it. Look, today we're going to get to hit the quick hitters. Uh, we'll then ex- talk about the USC game. We've got to talk about the USC game. Um, we've got some pros and cons, of course. And then uh, we're going to talk talk game preview for Washington State. We've got a, a nice game of Would You Rather planned. So uh, nonetheless, should be a good episode. Without further ado, let's get into the quick hitters. And first up, I'm going to review the schedule here. Uh, let's see here. Softball is getting in, apparently. I didn't know that, but softball is playing Weber State uh, today at, at Hunt and um, up at the U. So there's that. Volleyball is playing uh, Colorado in the Huntsman Center today. Oh, busy day up on the U. Uh, men's golf is in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Normally, I'm jealous of the golf team, not as jealous for Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, let's see here. Then women's tennis is in San Diego. That I'm jealous of. That's awesome. Uh, soccer is playing Arizona State on the 27th. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, men's golf still going. Let's see here. Women's tennis is going to stay there uh, uh, in San Diego State. Sorry. Um, then we got men's and women's swimming is doing their alumni meet on the 28th at 11 at the Huntsman or uh, up on the Yale. And then, of course, we've got the football game 8 p.m. on. Um, Shoot, on FS1, Washington State. Uh, so it should – it's a packed week of uh, sc- of school sports. So go support the team. The volleyball team has been pretty good. We'll see what happens with the other teams. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of action in the Pac-12 this last week. Almost all the teams were playing. So uh, why don't you review what's happened in the Pac-12 last week, Kara? Awesome. Thank you so much. So there were some pretty big games last week. Um, we'll start off with Cal versus Ole Miss. Cal, they ended up winning 28-20, to 20, but it wasn't without some controversial calls. Um, Plumlee, he connected with Moore on the goal line. This is for Ole Miss, and um, his feet were in the end zone, but the ref ruled that the ball didn't cross the plane. Um, Ole Miss coach, he's pleading with the refs to say, hey, review that. They don't. Plumlee tries to sneak it in. Clock runs out, and Cal ends up winning 28-20. to 20. Um 
interesting non-review choice, I'll say the least. You know what? Those Pac-12 refs, I mean, they're just doing what they do. Um, the next game was Washington versus BYU. It was down in Provo. Washington won 45 to 19. You know what I thought was really funny? Earlier this week I was reading, you know, BYU, they said um, our own mistakes made the Huskies look a lot better. And I was thinking, I'm like, that seems to be a common BYU excuse. Our mistakes make everybody else look better. Yeah, I mean, not, I'm trying to, I'm blanking out, but Kara, I, I don't recall that you're from Utah. And I will say, Having lived in Utah for the last, I don't know, 13, 14 years, it is a common trend. Look, BYU wins every game. It's just a matter of <laughs> how they want it. Sometimes it's not on the scoreboard. Sometimes it's their own mistakes. But nonetheless, they always win you know what, whatever that, game they play. That makes complete sense because after BYU beat USC and USC beat Utah, it was all over Twitter that if Utah and BYU played today, BYU would be the better team. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. What happened in August happened in August. Yeah, scoreboard head-to-head -head matchup is irrelevant to fans of the team down south. And that's fine. You know, they have their ways. Let them be crazy. So be it. Yeah, Washington crushed BYU 45-19, in case uh, you were curious. <laughs> Next game is Oregon versus Stanford. Oregon ended up winning 21-6. to Low-scoring game for Oregon. One thing that I thought was really interesting is they typically run 75 yards as an offense, Oregon does. Mm -hmm. They only ran 54 plays during that game. Um, Stanford, they had first possession. They went down and scored on their first possession. It was just a field goal. But I think if you go back and look at that game or if you even watched it, if they would have scored on their very first possession, I think it could have been a classic Stanford-Oregon matchup. That was actually the first time Oregon had beat Stanford since 2015. Um, next game was Colorado versus or or Arizona State. Colorado ended up winning 34-31. to 31. Uh, Arizona State was ranked 24th at the moment. It wasn't Arizona. Um, Colorado, James Stefano, he scored a 44-yard field goal with 2.03 left in the game to win it. I mean, credit to the Colorado defense, which has struggled. They forced Arizona State to turn it over on downs within those final two minutes uh, to win the game for their team. And then UCLA versus Washington State. I will be honest. I went to bed at halftime. I was tired. Game started late. <laughs> I woke you missed up, all the scoring. I miss. I did. I woke up and I was like, "Why am I seeing a basketball score?" Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> UCLA. They rallied down from 32 in the third quarter to beat Washington State 67-63. I think the Go ahead. Well, no, it's just interesting hearing Leach's press conference. Like, it is a whole bunch of things that I'm, as a Utah fan, like, can we get some repeats of that performance <laughs> by Washington State? Because uh, if they don't tackle for half a game or, you know, throw a couple interceptions, I mean, it's just, uh, was it UCLA scored two special teams touchdowns? So I'm looking my chops for that if I'm a Utah fan. Uh, there's just so many things from that game that is, like, interesting. So what team – and. I mean, we're going to obviously preview this game a lot, but, you know, Washington State, they haven't played a lot of teams. Like Houston, yeah. Northern Colorado, New Mexico State are the other teams they played. Houston lost to Tulane. I think a lot of our listeners watched that game last week. It was an entertaining game. Um, but then, like, Northern Colorado and New Mexico State, there's these are nobodies. Like, it's interesting to see that the Utah and Washington State – 
programs are a lot alike right now in the sense that they both played kind of weaker non-conference, both lost their conference openers, and now they're playing each other. I think the one thing that stood out to me in this game, UCLA and Washington State, was Washington State had six turnovers. Yeah. And ultimately, four fumbles, two interceptions. Ultimately, those turnovers cost you the game. And I'm pretty sure, you know, it, one, it cost Utah the game. I think it cost them to the tune of like 20, 29 points, 28, 29 points. It's yeah. what they cost Washington State. And there's a coach up on the hill who always says if you win the turnover battle, you have a good chance at winning a game. And for UCLA, True. that was exactly what it was, is they won the turnover battle. And then last but not least, Utah versus USC. Uh, Utah, they sadly lost 23-30 to in L.A. Yeah, before we get too much into that game, we'll, I, we'll, we will commiserate uh, first a moment of silence for our hype dream segment as the playoff is no longer at in reach. And that's about as much science as I'm willing to give it. But uh, we'll see if it hype train comes back. But other news, there were some other big news items with the youths in football, specifically in the scheduling department. There's supposedly, you know, it's rumored, not officially um, announced yet, that Florida, there will be a home-and-home with Florida in 22 and 23. And it has officially been announced that BYU, the BYU matchup will not be played those two years um, because of the ongoing negotiations with a Southeastern Conference opponent. Uh, so it sounds like it's happening. We just, it hasn't been made, made official. Uh, and then they've extended the BYU game, which I'm fine. Like, look, let's play the rivalry game. I don't care. Uh, I like having head-to-head scores to say, look, sure, we lost to USC, but you lost to us. Like, get over it. Um, in other news, uh, the U.S. gymnastics team for the World Championship got announced and Michaela Skinner made the team, which is awesome. Uh, there's also two incoming youths that have made the team. They're, they're committed to the U um, in Grace McCollum and Kara e- Eaker. Uh, so pretty exciting news there. We, Michaela's trying to make the Olympic team and has left the U for that. Uh, and then two put the incoming uh, gymnast to the U eventually also on that team. So that's pretty exciting. Gymnastics, I mean, Hopefully basketball and football can, you know, stay high or basketball can improve that we're, we don't get to the lonely point of saying Utah's a gymnastics school, but, um, but that's some exciting stuff on that um, front. All right, let's, let's get into it. You teased it. Let's talk about USC. So uh, my first and key point to this game is how, let me back up. Let's do some pros and cons, right? We'll do pros and cons. And my first pro is that Huntley shut up any doubters. Like, the dude literally, figuratively and literally carried the team on their back. I mean, you could tell by his jersey color, which should not be green and brown, should be white and red. Uh, instead, it was green and brown because he's literally trying to carry this team to victory. And he um, was amazing. I mean, I don't know what more can be said about Huntley. Um, on on the, the con for Huntley, though, was the offensive line in the sense that he had no time to throw at all. Like, it was like the moment he snapped it, he was already trying to evade the rush and avoid those players uh, that were hot on his tail. And it was slightly frustrating from a fan's perspective. What's a pro and con you have, Kara? One of my pros was the total yards. That was one thing that really stuck out to me was Utah, they had 457 total yards. 
Um, you know, Utah, they had 457 total yards of offense compared to USC's 368. Typically, it's teams, they control the total yards of offense. Um, but I thought it was really important for Utah to control that um, if they wanted to set the tone. And, you know, my con was they lost the game. Um, it's simple. It sounds kind of ironic, but when you control the total yards of offense, you should be able to win the game. Yeah, so if you look at the entire box score, Utah, they controlled that game. Time of possession, total first downs, everything like that, but they couldn't simply pull out the win. Yeah, that time of possession stat was, like, insane. Like, one thing Whittingham even talked about in his presser this week was how fresh his defense is going to be because they haven't played a ton. Um, they just haven't been on the field, which is, like, offense is your best defense kind of a deal. The offense has been possessing that ball. I mean, th this game specifically, the offense was driving. They had no issues moving the ball unless they got into the red zone. And so that's the other thing. I'm, my other pro was and this is you know trying to find some sliver of hope here as much as the secondary got shredded by 50 50 balls and a really good wide receiver core that those players like i can't think of a play specifically where there wasn't a secondary guy in position to make a play you know what i'm saying like they were there they just either didn't make a play on the ball or um, there's a couple specific plays that i remember where the safety went and was playing making a play on the ball but he wasn't going up to the ball he was playing it behind the wide receiver and so then of course the wide receiver makes the catch uh because i mean they've got the best hands out there otherwise these guys wouldn't be on defense to begin with but uh that's kind of the thing they were in position to make a play so the con to that is that they never made the play right they just, <laughs> they just didn't make it they they didn't make the tackles afterwards which was uh, for me, one of the frustrating parts is like, look, when you're playing on the other side of Jalen Johnson, who had got thrown at too in the USC game, you're going to get a lot of throws to, towards you. And Nurse played pretty well in the second half, uh, but Tariq Lewis got thrown at a ton. Right? That's going going to happen. I'm fine with that part, but don't miss the tackle, right? Yeah, well, and I think for as much as Utah's defense and their secondary has been hyped up. This was a game to showcase what you can do. And, you know, you're going against future NFL players. Why not show that you belong in the NFL? And, like, going to your point, plays weren't made, and they needed to be made. When you allow one receiver to have over 200 yards, I think he finished with 232, you have a major issue. That should be spread out evenly, not one player being targeted. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's... it's it, all of that was frustrating. The other thing what was, according, according to Whittingham, the biggest factor is that the Utes didn't finish drives with scores, right? Everyone's talked about the fumble on the goal line. It pains. It's a big pain. Especially when uh, you lose by a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. The fumble on the goal line. There's the goal line stand where they only got a field goal. Uh, that was rough. Um, then it, it's just scoring in the red zone. You, you got to score, right? The frustrating thing for me was that it felt like, and I, look, I am not an offensive coordinator. I do not have offensive coordinator experience. So take this with a grain of salt as far as play calling criticism. Is it last year and this year, it seems like they go away from what got them into the red zone to begin with. 
Now, I understand the field's shorter, your safeties are playing closer, your DBs, the, everything's compiled into that smaller space. So I understand that it would eliminate some plays, but I don't understand why it would eliminate like getting to the edge. The Utes got to the edge as much as they wanted against USC, but it didn't happen. Those are the things I don't understand. And the red zone, just, just to let you guys know, the, the Utes are 97th in red zone office in all of FBS right now. They're, um, if you go ahead and take out, like, I, I went through and went to go see how bad that stat was, and I took out the BYU meal that they did at, like, the goal line and recalculate it, and it would bring them up to 77th. Not crazy respectable, right? Especially when Washington State is, like, really good. They're, they score, if they get in the red zone, they're scoring 95% of the time, and 85% of the time, those scores are touchdowns. Like, they score when they get in the red zone. How much do you want to bet that Mike Leach is, you know, sitting at his desk right now just salvaging or salivating over the fact that he watched USC manhandle Utah in the air raid game right now? Yeah, but how much of that was a manhandling? Like, there were so many – like, I'm sorry. I can throw up prayers, too, as a quarterback. Like, (laughs) hey, look, Fink came in after Lucky Foto ate their quarterback for dinner. Fink came in and won, right? Good for him. But, dude, he so many times was he just chucking it up and saying, look, I've got a five-star wide receiver. Let him catch that ball. And he did, they, kudos to them, right? It worked. But there's a, the other part of me is, like like I said in my pro, the, the secondary was there. They just weren't making the plays. You're going to tell me that's going to happen two weeks in a row. You know, I think – it could very well possibly happen. Utah has been known to carry over losses. I think if they, you know, put this loss behind them, you know, Whittingham has been very adamant on about focusing on the week they're on. And you know what? Turn it into a learning moment. Say, hey, you know what? This is the things we need to correct. No, sure. I mean, that's what it should be, right? And that's where, you know, Joseph and I always talked about leadership this year, right? We had a highly hyped team. It's still pretty hyped. I mean, look, it's still nationally ranked. It is only one loss. Joseph's model had the most likely outcome before the season being 10-2. and Um, So it's not like the Utes' season is dashed by this one loss and they're not a good team. Um, So I just don't – so it's going to come to that senior leadership – I just don't see a senior leadership team that has unfinished business, whether they lost the game. Their unfinished business was not to go undefeated, right? Yes, they're in a hole. It is a lot harder to win the Pac-12 South now because you've lost the head-to-head matchup, right? USC still has a brutal schedule, one way or the other. they got to go play Washington. They're, like, There's other losses on that schedule, so there's opportunity for the Utes to still win this division. So that that the youths need to get their head back in the game. The same thing is being set up in Washington State. Leach said the same thing. He's like, hey, look, now we got our butts handed to us. We were babies on the sidelines, is what I think what he said. And now they're going to be they're going to be coming in fired up as well. Look, the youths haven't beat them, right? Like the last the last three games have been decided by four points. Have been close, or on average, four points. They, but Washington has. Utah's number. I mean, Whittingham's one in four against Leach at Washington State. Sorry, I said Washington has our number. Um, <laughs> but um, so it's like it's not like they they got to be looking at this game the same way the Utes are. They're both zero and one in conference. They have aspirations of being better than this, 
and here's their opportunity to prove that they belong at the top of the conference. So with what we've been talking about, though, I think it's time to play a little game of Would You Rather. So the basis of, of this for me and this idea is that the youths can go into practice this week, and they can make some changes, and they're going to learn, right? But there's a part of me that says that they're not going to learn everything. They're not going to fix everything. So, Kara, would you rather have the offensive line issues from the USC game or the secondary issues from the USC game? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I'd have to say I'd rather have the offensive line issues. I think through these games we've been able to see Tyler Huntley carry himself. He's put the team on his back and been able to carry the team, the offense at least. Um, but the secondary, that was, you know, you can't have those against an air raid offense like Mike Leach's and what he does up at Washington State. No, and I mean, and look, this is a, a talented uh, wide receiver core. They might not be all five-star future NFLers, maybe. I don't I don't know them that well, but it's a good team. I, th- I was listening to another podcast, the Utah Man podcast, and they had an interview on um, uh, who from Kook Center, and he said that all of the depth chart, it's, you know, the wide receiver or – Right, they use the or in the depth chart. That means that there really isn't a starter that they're both that good. So when you're subbing in that many wide receivers, uh, yeah, having that secondary issue could be a big deal. And um, I, I think you're right. I, th- I think you'd rather have the O line issues. And the other reason for that is Washington State. They have Elite set himself in his presser. They aren't getting pressure and screwing with quarterback very much. So this might be an opportunity to get that team to gel the offensive line specifically to have some success and gel it, it may not be it may not be an issue just because of the opponent they're facing versus the secondary really needing it all right so second would you rather would you rather have the offense running zone read uh run plays on the goal line because that was a big complaint from fans or the same level of penalties on the team hmm you know what? I'm actually going to go with penalties. Okay. Because penalties you can fix pretty easily. You know, you have you work with your team. You say, hey, here's what you were doing wrong. I think the zone read goal line issue, that's more of a play calling thing and an execution thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely go with penalties because those you can fix. Okay. Yeah, no, I'd, I, I'd rather have the zone read goal line. Like I'm fine with running the zone read, right? They they made one bad, they made one or two bad calls when running it, and it wasn't the play call; it was a player execution issue, right? You just got to make the right block. You can learn that too, right? So I have nothing wrong with aggressiveness and the play calling. You know, the other part of me is like, how many of those penalties? Like, if you watch the USC broadcast, those penalties. The, the announcer, the play-by-play, the commentary guy is like, I don't think there was much there, right? Jalen Johnson's <laughs> PI, a bunch of the holding calls are like, eh, I don't know if that there was much there. And knowing hashtag Pac-12 refs, there probably wasn't much there. <laughs> and I just don't know that I can say, like, I think I feel like the penalties are going to keep coming because it's just the officials that are officiating these games. And there's it's going to be hard to adjust to very inconsistent officials. And I know that's that's my opinion here, 
But that's why I'm fine. I'd rather have the zone read goal line and have the players execute it. And I bet that those score, those gameplay calls that got really screwed up because of a missed assignment, score touchdowns. I can see that. You know, I completely agree. If you you have a whole week to coach your players, you can't control the refs and what they're going to call. They are Pac-12 refs, so you never know what you're going to get. Um, but you can coach your players up, and I think ultimately. This game will be decided on what Utah does to coach their players up and how they play against Washington State. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I've always admired or appreciated with Whittingham is that it's always on the coaches. It's not on the players. The coaches need to either coach better or game plan better or do things differently to put their players in the right positions, right? Uh, So this is exactly this opportunity, um, especially facing an air raid style offense two weeks in a row. A real good opportunity for Scally, excuse me, to show his his ability to adjust to what what happened in the USC game and prevent it moving forward. So, um, you know, based on that, I think you know these are kind of the things we're going to talk about. Look, what are what is your keys to the game, and what is your pick? You know, I think one the main key is shutting down the air raid that will come from there. They have five receivers that have at least 16 receptions. They have two others that have 10. You know, you have um, Winston Jr. He had, he's on the season, he has 26 receptions, 348 yards, eight touchdowns. You have Desmond Patman. He has three touchdowns this year. Uh, Dontavian Martin, he has two touchdowns. Travell Harris, he has four touchdowns on the year. And you know, they're four games into the season, and you have all of these guys who are just so impressive. I think Aesop Winston Jr., he finished, I think, with four touchdowns against UCLA, so you know that chemistry is there. So I think, one, you need to defend Aesop Winston Jr. You have two men on him at all times. Um, and I think one other gate or key to this game would to, you know, don't be afraid to go away from your game plan that you had. I think Utah was so set on playing the zone, and that's what they wanted to play and how they expected to win, but it wasn't working for them, so make adjustments. I watched that Utah-USC game, and some adjustments were made in the second half, but not enough to win, and I think you have to, as a coach, be willing to go away from what you had in mind. Yeah, or uh, specifically adjust earlier, right? Why wait till halftime? I, I agree. Those adjustments need to be made. I mean, look, Washington State is scoring on average 52.8 points a game. This is a high-scoring team. They're not scared. And then the other thing is Anthony Gordon, their quarterback, he's got a QBR of 83. He's throwing he, – look, so of his 46 attempts a game, he's completing 75% of them. Like, he's good, right? He's had a few interceptions. Last week, one of the interceptions really wasn't his fault. The other one definitely was. So it's like the, there's the two turnover opportunities, but we are facing a very good, um, a very good offense, right? Air raid, however which way you want to call it, they're good. And honestly, Max Borgie, their running back, like he's pretty darn good. Like watching him play, like he's he's can stay on his feet. He's pretty fast. Like that's a good offset. And it'll be I'm intrigued to see you know, how the team reacts, because I feel like Washington State might have an opportunity there to take advantage of um, being so honed in on the secondary and 
defending that pass defense that there might be some advantages to be taken. It, to me, it seems like it. But all right, but I didn't hear your score pick though, Carol. Oh, so where's oh, yes. that part? You know what? That's the thing is, I think this is going to be the first true defense that Washington State plays. Uh, totally, Com- totally agree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as like I said earlier, I woke up and thought I was seeing a basketball score. You shouldn't be scoring. 67 points in a football game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's absurd. That's um, you know, if Utah can get its secondary problems intact, regroup this week, I think Utah has a good chance at winning this game just because of the defense. Um, I'm going to go, it's going to be a close-scoring game. I feel like that's always a Washington U, Washington State-Utah. You, I think you said yeah, last three last games. Three games, four points yeah. or less. Um, and Utah has unfinished business. They haven't beat them, you know last four games um i think utah will win i think it will be 27 24 um a very close game okay washington state's gonna go for a score in 63 to 24 you heard it here first uh <laughs> let me make my correction here the one of the games in the last three was decided by eight points but on average it's four uh my pick i think look if you look at their schedule They've been scoring 50-plus, except for when they played Houston. I think the youths can do at least as good a job as Houston. And so I'm going to go with a Utah win, 34-31. So uh, a little bit higher scoring than you, Kara, but I think the youths can still pull this out. I think it's. I think the team is just going to be better. I hope the offensive line is better, the penalties are better. I mean, everything we've, – we've talked about our would-you-rathers and the, the, the ailments of the team from the USC game. And even throughout the season, the O-line's been showing those those weaknesses. Hopefully we can continue to coach them up better. Um, so – but now let's get Joseph's take on this game. We got a huge game for both teams. Washington State and Utah, of course, coming off the loss. Just just absolutely shocking for both teams. I mean, you fans shouldn't be shocked, right? It wasn't a wasn't a hundred percent game, wasn't even a ninety percent game, wasn't even an eighty percent game, it's a sixty-seven percent game. Game you can lose, but it still feels shocking. It requires this reevaluation of your season and I think that's the same um, maybe even more so for Washington State UCLA is a bad team and they scored something like 42 to 7 in the fourth quarter I mean they just blew Washington State away in that quarter bunch of turnovers and so I think everybody is just re-evaluating, reconsidering, which I like because it takes away some of the narrative of like who wants it more, who needs it more. I tend not to, you know, lend a lot of credence to those narratives anyway, but, um, you know, in in this case, I think it's even less of an issue. On to the game. I was really surprised when I saw the the line. Utes were favored by six and a half, um, and you figure they'll be favored a little bit, you know. They're at home, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a game that Utah should win. But six and a half is a big line for me. When I look at my numbers, I see a Washington State team that can play a little defense, play a lot of offense, really, really hard to stop them from scoring. Uh, so I do look for this to be a high-scoring game, close to seventy points. 
Um, maybe even a little more than 70 points. I think Utah comes away with the, with the W, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it a much closer game than, or a considerably closer game than they're calling for. I'm going to say Utah 35, Washington State 31. All right, there you have it. Joseph and I are really close in scores. He uh, decided the Utes were going to score one more point than what I did, um, but nonetheless a win. Hey, uh, Joseph, please drive safely. I heard your blinker while you were recording that, so just you know, drive safely out there. Um, but nonetheless, we've got three picks for wins. I'm not shocked. I don't think anyone should be surprised. Um, but it's going to be a close game. should be high scoring. Hopefully we see some improvement in these areas, but um, – Until next time, go Utes. Go Utes. Thanks for listening to Ute Talk. Brought to you by the Torn by Sports and Blog Talk Radio Networks. Find us on Twitter at Ute Talk Podcast or email at utalk at gmail.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.